Hey there, Second Breaks listener. This is Lou Blazer, your host. We'll get on with the show in a sec. I just want to ask for your help first. If you are a returning listener to the podcast, I would so appreciate it if you would leave a review and rating on iTunes. This small step, leaving a review, helps me tremendously in reaching other career professionals who, like you, are also looking to build resilient and thriving careers in this new economy. Thank you in advance for your time, for leaving a review. And if you're not sure how to do it exactly, go to secondbreaks.com forward slash review. And that link will give you step-by-step instructions plus the iTunes link. Change careers, break into new industries, transition into new roles, reinvent yourself and make the dent you want. This is the Second Breaks podcast. And now here's your host and fellow Second Breaker, Lou Blazer. Hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is episode 43 of the Second Breaks podcast, and it is Tuesday, March 20th, 2018, as I record this episode. I want to talk a little bit about skills today. It is a fact that successful career pivots often leverage a strength or a skill that you already have. So you basically, you start from a position of strength, right? Still, in most cases, you will find that you will likely need to learn a new skill to complement what you already know. So for example, if you're looking to start a business on the side, you may find that you'll need training on foundation business skills, for example. Sometimes you'll want to learn a new core skill altogether to position you for new opportunities or to enter a new field of work. This is particularly true if you're thinking about making a career change. Now, this thing, having to learn new skills, is a stumbling block for many people who are looking to make a career move because they, they're thinking of expensive career courses and long nights and weekends to complete a new degree or a new program. Fortunately for us, we now live in a time when learning opportunities are plenty and there's a lot of it that we can do online. But as my guest today, Ada Berner, points out, you still have to know what's available and you still have to know what to look for. You still have to look for it, basically. Ada Berner, through the company that she founded, Skill Crush, aims to help women who are looking to learn technical skills to find new career opportunities in the tech world. In this episode, Ada talks about what Skill Crush is and how it helps women with their career goals. She also talks about why, of all the new skills one can learn, she decided to focus the company on teaching technical skills. And as with most entrepreneurs that I've talked to, Ada didn't originally set out to build a company. It wasn't her career goal. In our chat, Ada also shares her career journey and how she ended up starting not one, but two companies along the way. You'll find today's show notes at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 43, where you'll also find links to other relevant resources, including Pilot Your Career. Uh, Pilot Your Career is a short course that walks you through the four steps that you don't want to miss when planning your career move. All right, let me transition to my chat with Ada, and I'll catch up with you in a bit. 
I feel like it's definitely been, um, you know, a lot of iterations and pivots and it's just a process. And I think that's true for everybody. I started my career um, in New York as I was looking to basically work in art production. So I was looking to assist artists, um, work on um, like film and photography sets, that kind of thing. So this is totally like you come out of college, bright-eyed and bushy tails, like lots of ideas of how the world works. And then you kind of get smacked around a little bit. And um, relatively quickly, I learned that working for artists can be very challenging, both financially, but also just it's a it's a I think it's a hard dynamic to participate in, um, in that like with an artist, it's so personal what they're doing. Um, and it's their vision, and you're there to execute on it. And you're kind of always in this position of like, not being as good at it as they are. Mm. And so I just found it to be sort of a, you know, a relationship that was fraught with challenges that I wasn't really interested in continuing to deal with. And then at the same time, um, you know, I was just working that freelance life where you're trying to get gigs and it's just hard and it's exhausting. And, you know, this was my first time supporting myself and it was just a hard thing. So I decided that I should get one of these full-time jobs I'd been hearing about. So I applied for some work and got really lucky. And I will say, so I went to undergraduate at, uh, I went to Yale. And I will say that I do think that where like having a fancy college really helps you is when you're cold emailing people for jobs. That's probably like the single biggest advantage that you have. So I did get really lucky and I got a job off of Craigslist and that was sort of my entree into media. So I got a job as a photo editor, which was a very glorified title given what I was actually doing, which was basically cropping photos. So that was where I just started to learn completely on the job. How do you put a, together an online magazine? What are all the parts of that? That was the first time I met web developers. Um, you know, I think up until that point, I had had some vague understanding that there are people who are software engineers, but I had absolutely no idea what they did. And I certainly did not see any relationship to what they did to what I was interested in. From there, you know, that this was right around the time of the financial crisis. And then I sort of had, you know, went through a bunch of crazy stuff because living in New York at that time, and I mean, being anywhere in the country at that time, I think was tough. So I, you know, survived some layoffs, and then I got laid off. And basically, um, you know, in that process, like I was really motivated and inspired at that point to really try to get a skill that felt like it was going to provide me with more um, stability than what I'd had. So that is really what led me into going deeper into tech and really feeling like, okay, if I want to work in tech, I should be one of the techie people, you know, I don't want to be a hanger on. And I started doing web development professionally. And then it was like a series of more, you know, freelance gigs until finally, I just decided to go full time freelance. And I actually started a company with a friend of mine. Mm. I'm totally one of those people who had like 15 different jobs in like years. And I'm really thankful for the experience. You know, like I don't, it wouldn't be great now, but at the time, it was really, really educational. So I ended up, yeah, starting this company without really realizing that's what I was doing. Um, and that sort of was my entree into the world of business. Gotcha. And that's Skill Crush, is it? That, that the company that you're talking about, it's something else. It was something else. Yeah, it was a web design and development sort of design agency. So we would build websites for people. And that was really awesome. And if I hadn't had that experience, I could not have started Skill Crush. So I'm really thankful for that experience. Yeah. And then I decided to start Skill Crush. So so when you got when you first got into uh, web design, you uh, you taught yourself basically, because that wasn't your background. That wasn't what you studied in school, right? 
not at all. Um, yeah, I had studied art and uh, photography, so I had some basic familiarity with the idea. But no, I mean, I largely taught myself and had friends who took pity on me and would help me out. And it was really hard and it took a really long time. And I, I like, you know, I, I like I learned a lot of bad practices because I was teaching myself. So that's a lot of what sort of inspired me after the fact, like after I sort of fumbled my way through it for like four years, I was like, there has to be a better way than this, which is what inspired me to create Skill Crush. And Skill Crush is, uh, is it fair to say it's a training company? It's a technology training company? Is that how you would describe it? Yeah, we traditionally call it an online education company, but I think training is appropriate because what it really is is because we're training adults. So we're trying to help adults who are looking to make a career change get technical skills um, that, you know, they can use to really find a job that they're more excited about and, you know, helps them realize whatever their dreams are, whether that is more flexibility or more creative fulfillment or, um, you know, just a, a better, like more stability and better pay. Yeah. And it's focused primarily in the technology skills, right? If mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I was wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit about uh, how the company works, actually, uh, mm -hmm. what it offers um, and who it, it is for. And yeah. also, if you wouldn't mind talking about why technology, uh, out of all the skills out there, why did you focus on technology? So I, I'll answer that question first. And it's it's two parts, right? It's It was largely driven by my own experience of, you know, sort of working around the technology industry, but not being a technical worker and seeing how much more opportunity I had when I actually transitioned into the technical work. And then I think also just sort of having this sense, which I think, you know, is backed by all the data. And um, I think you'll agree with this, that sort of technology was the growth industry. And the truth is, is that, I mean, what's especially amazing about technology is that it's not really an industry onto itself. It's sort of like something that cuts across all industries. You know, I think I had this kind of inkling. I mean, this is not that long ago, um, but ironically, even not that long ago, I was a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of identifying this opportunity. But sort of in like 2008, I was sort of looking at it and I was like, okay, like, if I want to set myself up for a career success for the next 10, 20 years, like what, er what arena is like, you know, where is it happening? And it felt like technology is where it was happening and I should just get in as early as possible. So that really, and then that was validated by the experiences I had once I did that, which is that, you know, my whole sort of job prospects completely changed. Um, and I felt like I just had opportunities I could never have dreamed of um, almost immediately. And it felt like, and you know, it was interesting, like I was hosting a webinar earlier today with some alumni and they were talking about how a lot of prospective students, their biggest concern is like, but how will I get that first job if I have no experience, which is very understandable. And I think it's, it's hard for everyone, but it's particularly hard when you're older and looking to make a career transition because you don't want to be sort of back at the starting point again. Mm -hmm. And what they said, which very much mirrors my own experience, is that for them, they found that like the qualification that for them both to get their first gig was not how good they were at the skill. It was really like, it was interest in showing up for the job. Mm. And that was my experience was that that's what it's like in tech right now. It's like, it is so wide open and there are so many opportunities that just being a person who's responsible and excited to be there will get you really far. So our demographic is 
primarily women in their mid 20s to mid 30s who and you know sort of the prototypical skill crush student has been in the workforce is college educated um, has been in the workforce for like five to 10 years and is working in a job similar to like an admin assistant kind of role Mm -hmm. and what she's often feeling is that she's like I did everything right I checked all the boxes I've worked really hard and yet I'm in this position that doesn't pay great, doesn't have a lot of career prospects and frankly like makes me feel totally underutilized. Mm -hmm. Like I just know that I can do more than this. Um, And what we try to do is help them to identify an area of technology that they're interested and excited about and then provide them with the necessary sort of skill building and also, you know, encouragement and coaching to make the transition into something that's a little bit more exciting. So is it uh, is it like enrolling in a your traditional school where you have a curriculum and you so for example, if you're studying something, you go from basic level to advanced, that kind of stuff? Yes, exactly. It's an online class. It's much very much like any class you would take at a college, except for it's online. So, you know, that's nice because it allows us to serve students from all over the world. Um, and they can do it, you know, on their own time. Um, and then, you know, our goal is to provide a service online that is comparable to what you would get in person, if not hopefully better, meaning that we provide an enormous amount of student support. So we have instructors who are there to help them through the technical aspects of the program. Um, we have career counselors to help them with sort of the more career counseling, coaching aspects of the program. And then we have a community, um, which I think that, you know, they provide each other with a lot of support, which is, you know, one of the best things that has come out of the whole thing. It's interesting, too, that you pick technology because it's probably one of the areas where we don't really need, we can get training online without the need to be enrolling in your traditional learning environment or school. Yes. That's absolutely accurate. Um, Even the Bureau of Labor Statistics backs us up on this one and has identified web development specifically as one of the highest paying jobs that doesn't even require a college degree, period, much less a specific degree in it. So there's a lot of opportunity. Gotcha. So you're basically saying uh, when you describe the demographic is that the, the person who is applying or who's enrolling does not need to have a technology background at all even. It's really just interest. And if you can, you know, if you're comfortable on your computer and you're excited about it, you're completely qualified to take the class. So why women? Yes, it was, of course, partially, you know, like I think a lot of entrepreneurs sort of scratch their own itch, right? So it was partially my own experience. But um, it was also, I mean, it was my own experience in that it felt like here I was interested in learning about technology and interested in uh, making this transition. And I just felt like nothing out there spoke to me. Yes, I am the person who will go to Barnes and Noble and buy the computer science book with like the weird person on the front that's like very alienating and I will read it, which I think is not true for a lot of people. Um, but I won't enjoy it, you know, and I just felt like nothing I saw or read talked about technology in a way that was commensurate with my experience of it, which is that it's incredibly creative and fun and interesting. And then also, you know, I looked at the market of, 
you know, other products in the space and felt like, you know, if you look at the audiences, so our audience is 80% women, 20% men. And if you look at the audiences for most of our competitors, it's flipped. So it also felt like this, there was just opportunity in the market for this. So at what point, turning, turning back a little bit uh, on you again, um, at what point in your experience did you say, you know what, I don't want to look for another full-time job. I actually want to pursue, you know, creating my own thing. I would say it kind of came in different parts, but I, I guess the big moment was when I decided to start the company with my friend. And at that point, what had happened is I'd gotten laid off and then I had spent a little over a year working two back-to-back sort of long-term freelance projects. And I, I, I'm like, I guess I can just tell everyone where I was working. I was working at MTV for the second one. And uh, Viacom, which is a company that owns MTV, is famous for this thing called that they call permalancing, which is basically they hire full-time freelancers. And, they, and because of a lawsuit, they basically do it to get around having to pay them benefits and stuff like that. But because of a lawsuit that had happened some years before, they could only keep you on for nine months. So they basically hire people for nine months at a time, and they just cycle through them. And actually, I'll tell you, I had the idea for Scale Crush while I was there, and it was in large part driven by what I was seeing happening in that organization and all of, like, it was basically, you're, you're seeing this, like, analog media company, which is television, transform into this digital media company, and a lot of the people working there were women. And what I used to say was that, this is, like, terrible, but I used to say that the fact that the building that Vi- that houses Viacom, like I was like, the fact that it doesn't fall into the Hudson River any day of the week is like a testament to like <laughs> how entrenched companies can just like hold on for dear life. Because from my perspective, the work that was happening inside the building was not, in terms of digital, was not very advanced. So basically, sure, I wasn't happy there and I didn't want to stay. And I basically, it was kind of one of those, you know, you have to, it's sort of this moment where you come to a crossroads. And I did actually have the opportunity to continue on there. Um, but I basically was like anywhere but here. And honestly, like if I'd had another job offer, I probably would have done that. But my only offer was for my friend who wanted to, you know, work with me. And I was like, that's fine. It'll get me out of here. So, there you so are you? Is the is the web design company still operational, or you've you've moved on and you're full time running Skill Crush now? Yeah, the web company is long gone at this point. Yeah, it sort of got cannibalized by Skill Crush, but it was great. I mean, I learned a ton. It was an amazing experience. And like, like I said, like you know, you hear these stories about people who graduate college or drop out of school and start these big tech companies and. I'm so thankful. I mean, it was only two years that I ran that other company, but I learned so much in that time frame. And like the learning curve is just so steep when you're starting your own company. And if I hadn't had that experience, it would have been very hard for me to to figure out the things that, that I then had to figure out with Skill Crash at the same time. So, so did you start Skill Crash by yourself or with uh, a team or with partners or? Yeah. So there were uh, three of us when I started. So yeah. I was, um, I'm curious when, uh, when you decided to start Skill Crush, was there anything that you thought was going to be more difficult that you find actually, no, it's not that difficult or the reverse or something that you thought was easy and that you found was actually harder than you'd anticipated? The good and bad news about my personality is that I tend to believe that everything will be difficult, which is pretty accurate when it comes to business. So I feel like to a certain extent, I don't know that I like ever expected anything to be easy, but it doesn't mean I wasn't like shocked and horrified by how difficult they actually were. Um, Cause it is, I mean, business is like, 
it's like being punched in the face, <laughs> especially when you're getting started. It's so hard. And like, I look back at that time and I'm like, I don't know why I stuck with it. You know, um, now that I've gone through it, I see that like, I have, I mean, of course, you know what I mean? Like now, like once you've been through something, it's so different. And like, I definitely think that it will be easier the second time around because I would like, now I understand that it just takes time for things to get going. Mm. And you kind of have to go on blind faith that like, you know like there's sort of this joke in the startup community that like the way that people always um project like their plans they're like okay we're gonna grow at like x rate and then some magic will happen and then we'll grow <laughs> really big and it's like ridiculous of course but at the same time it's also somewhat accurate like that is my experience of business is that like that is kind of what happens you kind of like trudge along for a really long time and then some magic happens and that you can't really tell ahead of time what that magic is, but that it happens. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, and I think the the sort of like you know physics explanation of it is that it's kind of like you try a million things, and you just have to keep the more at bats you have, right? The the like eventually, hopefully, you will hit like a home run, but you just have to keep batting until. Or I don't know. I'm trying to come up with the right sports analogy. I mean, I I you know the advice I give everyone is you just have to focus so much on you know I think on sales and marketing, basically, if you're not a sales and marketing person, I think people tend to have a totally unrealistic understanding of what it takes to get a product out and market it and to sell it. Like I think, like, and I've heard like a good rule of thumb is to spend 50% of your time on the product and 50% marketing. And I think that's accurate. If not, you sh if not, you probably maybe should spend even more time, especially at the beginning on sales and marketing. I mean, it's, it's so hard. Like you have a fantasy that people are going to find you and like nobody's going to find no you. Nobody's going to find you. Exactly. Now, Skill Crush, you're not necessarily preparing the students to start their uh, technology company, right? You're actually preparing them just uh, whether they want to be employed, uh, technical workers or run their own business, right? It's not necessarily that you're preparing them to start their own business. Um, no, I think like, you know, the closest thing that they do to starting their own business is starting their own freelance business, which is legitimate and is starting a business. But I think like, I guess I, my interpretation of what you're asking is whether we prepare them to start like tech startups. Yeah. Um, and no, we don't do that. Uh, so back to you. Uh, so during that uh, time when you were uh, either the, the first company that you started with your friend or with Skill Crush, what do you think helped you the most looking back? This is a very good question. I mean, I think that one of the things that I've always loved about technology and also business is the feedback loop. I'm one of those people who like has never found like a rating system that I'm not that I don't want to conquer. You know what I mean? Like I was I am very motivated by that kind of thing. And so I think that in, the thing that's great about business is that it sort of is that like it's like, you know, you kind of like it's like, oh, I made $5,000 this month, like, let's try to beat it. Let's try to do, ten, you know, like 7000 next month or whatever. So and you kind of get this like, opportunity to like, you know, try again and again and again. Um, I think I just enjoy that process of it. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I would say like a strength of mine. And I think something that has really helped me is that I think some people tend to be the type of people who like want to skip the beginning part that's like hard and like, just go straight to like having a fancy office and like a team. Which is like very understandable. And I think in some ways those people are better than me at, at some aspects of it. Like I don't tend to always be the best at like long-term vision and that kind of work. Mm -hmm. But I really enjoy the process of like, there's nothing here. Let's like start with like, okay, we're trying to build a house. Let's start with like popsicle sticks and then work our way up to like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I just, I enjoy that iterative process. Mm -hmm. Like, and I remember feeling this at the time, like, 
I remember sort of like we scotch taped everything together. And I remember ta- saying to my co-founder at the time, because I think she said something to the effect, oh, wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice when we have like X, Y, and Z? And I was like, I was like, honestly, I feel like when we have X, Y, and Z, we will look back on these days and think of them as like the good olden days when it was so simple and we got to just do everything. And I, I do. I mean, I love my team. Like my team is 30 people, but like I love, I like look back fondly on the days when I used to like push code live to the site myself, you know, that was like so fun. Did you always know that about yourself or that was that something that you learned through the process? No, I think it's very much something I learned. I would never in a million years have thought I would end up as a business owner. No, not in a million years. I think I had always planned to be a lawyer, but it turns out that I really enjoy like being able to, like, I think there was this point and, you know, it's funny. It's interesting. I, um, I had a friend once who was talking about how women and men come into the workforce with very different expectations Mm. and how, you know, like, obviously this is a gross oversimplification, but what she was arguing was that men sort of come in expecting like relatively entitled and expecting a lot of success and women come in traditionally with much lower expectations and kind of like have this sort of coming of a, or kind of have this experience of like getting to this point where they're like, Oh wow. Like you mean I can do anything? You know, and I think that was very much my experience where it was like, I didn't thinking any of these things were possible. Like I would never have believed that I could found a company and have all these employees. Um, so that was just really, yeah, that whole process of discovery and being like, oh, actually, like you can do whatever you want as long as you can like make money off of it. It's a very fun process for me. Exactly. And I think that's what's different nowadays is that we have companies like your company, for example, that. Uh, if you need a skill to learn, it's so easy these days to learn to pick up a new skill. And like, say, 20 years ago, where you have to actually probably have to go to school and find your you know, nights and weekends to trudge to school, you know, and, and nowadays, a lot of these things are easier, right? They are easier, but it's hard. I mean, I think about this sometimes with Skill Crush, because I look at Skill Crush, and I'm like, relatively, the barriers for me to have built this business were very low, right? Like, I didn't raise a lot of money. Um, the costs of it were not high, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing was that I knew to do it. And I think that is actually a really high barrier, Mm. right? I think people don't know that it's a thing that they can do. Like, you know what I mean? Like the information's out there, but it doesn't mean you know that it's out there. You know what to look for. I could spend a lot of time talking to you, Ada, because I love this conversation, but I want to be respectful of your time. So maybe two or three more questions. One is um, to the person who's listening, who's that person that you described earlier, and uh, she's sitting there going, you know, I really, I really want to explore this, this field, but the thing that I do today has nothing to do with, with uh, technology whatsoever. Uh, what might you recommend to that person? I think, I mean, I really do believe that the only qualification you need is an interest in it. So don't let the fact that you don't have prior experience in it be any sort of deterrent. Mm -hmm. I will also say, you know, I, again, I was doing this webinar with these two women who are alumni and it was interesting because both of them were describing the first client project they ever got. And in both instances, they did work for people that they had worked with in totally different industries ahead of time. So the examples were one of them had been a waitress. So Mm -hmm. the first thing she did was build a restaurant website and the other one um, had been in marketing. So the first thing she did was talk to a woman that she had done marketing with and say, Hey, I see that you're now running this marketing agency. Like I bet you need web someone to build websites for your clients. Don't underestimate the need for technical skills in all industries. And the fact that it's very, very likely that you will actually end up like building directly upon what you've been doing in the past 
um, with your technology. Yeah, that's actually a great insight because they do have, they understand the industry already. So they, they understand language, they understand, you know, what the users might need. So that's a great insight, actually, of how to apply your technical skills. Excellent. Um, yeah. So Ada, uh, is there a book, uh, fiction or not fiction, that uh, has made an impact that you might recommend? Um, yes. I mean, I am a huge reader, especially since I've been working in business of business books. Um, the book that immediately comes to mind that completely changed my life is a book called Inspired by a man named Marty Kagan. That It's called Inspired, um, How to Build Products Customers Love. I will warn you, although it has a second edition now that I think is less technical than the first edition. The first edition was somewhat technical. But basically what he describes is um, he sort of describes the mechanics of how to implement a philosophy I really believe in, which is this idea of like customer driven design. And the and it basically just means, and this is something I'm always telling, you know, like people who come to me and are asking for entrepreneurial advice. I feel like I like to always tell them all these discouraging things. And I don't think they're discouraging. I think they're encouraging, but like they tend to not like what I have to say. And one of the things I have to say is I say to them, listen, like at the end of the day, you're going to have to make a decision at some point. And the decision will be, do I want to realize this very specific vision that I have for this thing? Like, for example, I want to do a fashion line and I want it to be like this. Or do you want to have a business that's viable? And if you're really lucky, it'll be both. Or, you know, they'll align. But I don't, I actually think, I basically think everyone should let go of whatever dream they have and just focus on building a viable business. Because... I think it's some, and I, I get it, but I also think it's sort of like this like ridiculous hubris that we have, which mm. is that we think we know what will be the best thing, right? Like we have in our heads when in reality, you don't know. And what you need to do is you need to be clear on who it is you're serving and, um, and then you need to identify their problem and then you need to work with them to solve that problem in the best way possible. And at the end of the day, it's funny because I give this advice and I think about Skill Crash and I'm like, Skill Crash exceeds like any of my wildest imaginations of what it could have ever been. But if I had been the only person in charge of it and if I'd been the only person who like determined what it would be, it would never have been this amazing. Ah. So, it's so important that like very, very early, and I did this for completely self-serving reasons. Like I started talking to customers because I was like, nobody's buying so I need to figure it out. You know, I really, we really, really tried to the best of our ability to build our product with our customers and to work with them at every step of the way. And I mean, we're really, I mean, we, we literally counted up how many sort of user interviews we did last year and it was over 300 as a company. Wow. Yeah. That's almost one a day and it probably still wasn't enough. Um, and I mean, it is like they have, our customers have basically for free helped us make millions of dollars. They were like our most amazing resource of insight and innovation. Um, and I just like the more time that you can, like the more you can embrace that philosophy, I just, I think it is going to be so fulfilling. And frankly, like it's going to be the, it's literally the only way. I think yeah. Actually yeah. Cause you can't assume that you understand. Actually, you can't assume that you understand, even though in your case, you actually, in a way you've experienced it yourself. So you were on the other side, like you were the person who was learning, but still I, I would imagine that you heard things that you didn't experience or that you didn't anticipate was what they needed or what they were looking for. 
like, it's hard sometimes to really understand how the things played out for you. Like, and a good example is like a really early insight for me that I got through user interviews was the importance of people having someone to reach out to, to ask questions of. So like having that ability to contact a human being and not just be doing sort of tutorials online with like, no, you know what I mean? Like being like, there's no one there on the other end. And the truth of the matter is, is that when I then reflected on my own experience, that was the only reason I was successful in teaching myself how to code was because I had friends who took pity on me and would literally G-chat with me. I'd be like, I can't figure this thing out. But I hadn't connected those dots on my own, you know? Exactly. That's a great point. So thank you for that book recommendation. I will pick it up myself, actually. Uh, I had not heard it before, but it sounds very interesting. So final question, Ada, where can people find you? Where can people find uh, out more about Skillcrush? Uh, you can just go to skillcrush.com. Um, we have a ton of resources. Um, we have a blog that we're really proud of and work really hard on. It has a lot of free information and tutorials and all kinds of stuff. I think you can sort of, you know, get lost there for days. Um, and I encourage you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, great. Thank you so much, Ada. This has been great. I love this conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap for today's show. You can find the show notes plus links to other relevant resources at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 43. And don't forget to sign up for the Pilot Your Career free course while you're there. We've got a pretty good backlist of episodes now. You can download past episodes and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. I will be back next week with a new guest to inspire and motivate you to start planning or at least to start thinking. It starts with thinking, right? About your next career move. Till then, keep on making your dent, my friend. Cool beans. This is the Second Breaks Podcast. Podcast. 